Uh, before I get started today in the Word, I'd like to remind you that James has been given several tests to verify true saving faith in our in our life. And the first test he gave us was uh, was through trials and how how we respond and how we deal with with them. We learned that the mark of true saving faith was to endure our trials and to count it all joy. The second test he presented us with us with was through temptation and how we respond to temptation. We learned that the mark of true saving faith was not to blame Yahweh or anybody else for the temptation that we endure, but rather it was caused by our own desires, our lustful desires, and that we should take full responsibility for them. And today we're going to get into a third test that James gives us to evaluate ourselves, or evaluate our salvation, rather. And it's um, it's found in verses 19 through 27. So if you got your scriptures, turn your, turn your Bibles open to... Uh, to the book of James in the first chapter, and we're going to read verses 19 through 27, and then we'll kind of delve into these things. All right, James chapter 1 and verse 19. We'll go through 27. However, I'm not going to teach on all, all these verses today. Verse 19, it says, My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not accomplish Yahweh's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil excess, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and right away forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who acts, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he's religious, without controlling his tongue, but deceiving his heart, his religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before our Almighty and Father is this, to look at orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now, as I said, we're being presented with another test here, and that is this, how we respond to Yahweh's word. Before we get into the particulars of this test, I want to point out that our response to Yahweh's word can be marked, it can be the mark of a true believer, it could be the mark of an unbeliever, depending upon our response to Yahweh's word. Just like the other test, the proper response is a passing of the test, but the improper response is a failing of the test. If you've got a piece of paper, you can do this. I'm going to give you the three tests as we go through them, and you put three check marks on there. You see if you pass each one of these tests. At the end of the sermon, you'll know whether or not you have true saving faith, or at least whether or not you uh, receive Yahweh's word right. In Psalms 119, the psalmist says, How happy are those who have... How happy are those whose way is blameless, who live according to the law of Yahweh. This is talking about the one who seeks with his whole heart, and he hears and acts on the word of Yahweh. However, the psalmist also says something about the unbeliever. In verse 155, he says this, same chapter, chapter 119, verse 155, he says that salvation is far from the wicked because they do not seek your statutes. This is referring to the one who does not seek the word of the statutes of Yahweh, and it tells us salvation is far from them. Let's also read, uh, I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah has something to say about the, about the people who don't listen to Yahweh's word. 
Jeremiah chapter 6, and in verse 16, we'll start there. You can turn if you want to. If not, I'm going to read it. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 6, and verse 16, it says this. It says, This is what Yahweh says. Stand by the roadway and look. Ask about the ancient past, which is the way to what is good. Then take it and find rest for yourselves. But they protested. We won't. I appointed... I appointed watchmen over you and said, Listen for the sound of the ram's horn. But they protested, We won't listen. Therefore, listen, you nations and you witnesses. Learn what the charge is against them. Listen, earth, I am about to bring disaster on these people, the fruit of their own plotting, for they have paid no attention to my word. They have rejected my law. Yahweh speaking through Jeremiah says that the destruction is because they reject his word or his law. That's what he tells them. They're not hearing and acting on the word. In Romans chapter 1 verse 28, Paul writes, Because they didn't think it worthwhile to have Yahweh in their knowledge that he handed them over to a reprobate mind to do that which is morally wrong. The unbeliever doesn't have Yahweh in his knowledge. And so they're not a doer of the word. Instead, they do what is morally wrong. See, it's the desire of a true believer to hear the word of Yahweh and to walk in the word of Yahweh, in the word of the law. Word, law, they're synonymous. They're the same thing. But, but it is the desire of the unbeliever to reject the hearing of the word and to avoid the word of law. Are you a true believer today? Do you have the practice of hearing the word but also walking in it, not just to hear it, but you also walk in it? The psalmist, again, from Psalms 119 and verse 14, he says this. He says, I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. In verse 25 in chapter 119, he says, My life is down in the dust. Give me life through your word. It's real. It's live. The word is real. It's living. This is how we gain life. In verse 31, he says, Teach me the meaning of your statutes and I'll keep them. In verse 47, he says, I delight in your commands, which I love. In verse 57, he says, Yahweh is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. And in verse 97, he says, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day long. I urge you to read and reread Psalms chapter 119 in your spare time. Every verse in it has something to say about Yahweh's law, and it's always righteous speaking of Yahweh's law, except for the one who doesn't practice, and then it condemns them. And the psalmist says, I love it. I love all of it. The sum of all his commandments to Yahweh's word comes in verse 112 in the 119th chapter of Psalms, and it says this, I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. I'll keep them until I die. This is my lot in life. I love Yahweh, and therefore I'll, I'll obey his word. Some translations say forever, he loves the word and acts upon it forever. It's the same thing. You might say that the psalmist is trying to tell us that the one with true saving faith, whose lifestyle is hearing and loving and being obedient to Yahweh's word, not just it going through one ear, passing through, going out the other. He, he longs for it. He wants to receive it. He grabs it when he comes, and he loves it, and he puts it to practice in his life. Now, hearing and doing the word is our main test. That's what James is talking about today. It's the main test of true saving faith. But let me back up for a minute. That's really just the introduction. I want to I wanna go back to verse 19 through 21, and we'll kind of delve into it. And I'm going to give you three subtests that James gives us here in verse 19 of how we can see whether or not we have true saving faith. 
So um, keep in mind in verse 19, we're going to go back to verse 19 through 22 right here, but keep in mind in verse 19 that there are no chapters, verses, or anything in the original manuscripts. We don't have James chapter 1, verse 19. We probably all know this, but I wanted to bring it to your attention again. So what James is doing in verse 19, the James is carrying over from verse 18 where he's speaking about the message of word or truth that is able to save you. Peter actually talks about this word in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. He says, you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed through the living and enduring word of Yahweh. It's the same word. It's a word that saves you. In verse 18 in James in chapter 1 right here, it says, by his own choice, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth. That message of truth is the word of Yahweh. He carries that same thought into verse 19. There's no, there's no subdivision of verses right here, but he carries the same thought into verse 19. And he says, so having been born by the word or brought forth by the word of truth, like James says in verse 18, he says, we learn to listen to it, desire it, and respond to it. So let's read. I'm going to read again 19 through 22, and then we'll kind of hammer this home. Verse 19, it says, my dearly loved brothers, you know this or understand this, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not accomplish Yahweh's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and evil excess, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. Verse 22, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. In other words, verse 19 says, because he brought us forth by the word of truth in verse 18, because of this, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Here James is pointing out how to receive the word. He says to be quick to hear. What does that mean? Does it mean just be a good listener to a friend? Or is he, or is he just saying keep your mouth shut and don't talk too much? You know, that might be what somebody thinks. I don't think so. That's not the context here. He's talking about being quick to hear the word of Yahweh. This is, this is the complete context. The message of truth in verse 18 and the implanted word in verse 21. If you look down to verse 21, he is saying, listen to it, grasp it, be eager to increase our hearing of Yahweh's word. This word is the source of all healing. It's the, it's the source of all deliverance from pain. I heard people talking about in the testimony service wanting to be delivered from pain or people dying, things like that. This is the source from which your deliverance comes from, the word of Yahweh. It's the, it's the deliverance of pain. It's, it's our education in life. It's the, it's the path that we're supposed to walk down. It's all these things. This is the word of Yahweh. So ask yourself this. It says, it says this. Everyone must be quick to hear. Ask yourself this question. Do you hunger for Yahweh's word? Is that what you're quick to do? Do you hunger for Yahweh's word? Do you have a desire to hear the word? When you see someone having a biblical conversation, do you go up to them and ask them, hey, what are you talking about? Explain it to me. Show me what you understand about the scriptures. Help me to see. Help me to understand. Are you always checking your watch in church? Is that your intention? Are you here under constraint? Are you here because you have to be? Are you here because you really want to learn Yahweh's Word and you want to live and you want to grow it and you want to make it part of your life? Is that why you're here? 
Do you have a desire to learn? Do you want to grow? James says this is a test of true saving faith. And this is what he says when he says, this is what he means when he says be quick to listen. He's not talking about be quick to listen to anything that's going on in the world. He's talking about be quick to listen to Yahweh's word. Receive it. Accept it. Be eager like the Bereans to hear what somebody has to say about Yahweh's word. James says this is a test of true saving faith. That's test number one. You can ask yourself if you made those three boxes. You can check your, check your box off. If you, if you are that person, if you're not, hey, work on it. Having a desire and being quick to listen to the word, that's test one. The next thing James says to us in verse 19 is that we must be slow to speak. Now, James is not talking about having a social relationship here. He's not saying we should listen more than we talk in a general sense. He's not saying like the old-timers say, kids should be seen and not heard. He's not talking about we should be slow to speak in general conversation. He's not even saying you should count to five before you respond to a question. However, gentlemen, that might be wise for us in dealing with our wives, count to five, and just respond like, yes, dear, or something like that, and everything's smooth over. Now, I'm teasing, but, but that's, not what, that's not what James is saying here. In keeping with the context, what he's saying is that we should be slow to speak regarding the word of Yahweh. See, the, the quick to listen part in verse 19 would, would insinuate that we'd be quick to hear something expositional, like a sermon or a lesson of some sort, some part, some teaching of Yahweh's word. That's what he means in the first part of verse 19. So when he says be quick to listen, he also has to be talking about the same thing when he says be slow to speak. So just as you're quick to listen, be just as adamant about being slow to speak. In other words, don't be so quick to speak about Yahweh's word unless you have received it and studied the matter out. And our and we need to be prepared to get into everything that it pertains to. If we're going to talk about a portion of Yahweh's Word or any part of Yahweh's Word, we need to know what we're talking about before we get into it. Amen. Notice the first verse in James chapter 3. You flip a page. It says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. I think that's what James is talking about in, in, in chapter 1 and verse 19. He says we should receive it with eagerness. We should listen to what somebody has to say, and we shouldn't be so quick to talk about it. You need to think about what, you're, about what you're going to say. Paul agrees with this. He tells Timothy the same thing in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. He's given a, a ground rules, laying ground rules out for Timothy for the selection of pastoral teachers. And he says this, he must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and fall into condemnation of the devil. Also in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 22, Paul says, don't be, quick, don't be too quick to lay hands on somebody. He's not talking about the throwing of people out of the church in the first part of the verse. He's talking about making somebody an elder or making somebody a bishop or making, making somebody a teacher. Don't be too quick to, to puff somebody up. How about, the, uh, how about the people in the TV evangelist? You, you see people rise up in the, on the TV shows and you know, maybe Trinity Broadcasting Network, whatever it is, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You watch them, they don't even know what they're talking about. They teach in order to gain money and stuff like that. They have no idea what the Scripture says, and yet they're made teachers. They're, they're lifted up. We should be careful about this, and that's what, that's what James is saying. Few of you should be teachers. There's a greater, there's a greater judgment for, for teachers. There's a stricter judgment. And when you're teaching the Word of Yahweh, you're teaching something that's precious. You're not only taking a chance on um, 
misusing the word of Yahweh, you take a chance on misleading the children of Yahweh. It's a big deal. You've got a big responsibility. So we should be slow to share the word of Yahweh, not only for our sake, but for the sake of the listener also. Now, undoubtedly, there was a problem with, the, with this and whoever James is addressing in this epistle. And that's made evident by verse 26. It says, if anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue but deceiving his heart, his religion is useless. He says, if any, he says we have to consider our motives behind speaking and our knowledge before we engage in an exhortation that we're not prepared for and that we will not honor Yahweh. Instead, listen to the word submissively and be silent until such a time as you're prepared to represent the word of truth accurately. That's subtest number two. You can check that one off if you pass it. I don't pass it, so I didn't check it off. I've got things to work on. We should be slow to speak until we're sure we have the right representation of truth. All right, the next thing James tells us to do in verse 19 is to be slow to anger. Listen listen to what I'm, I'm fixing to tell you because you won't get it out of the scriptures that you're reading probably. It won't, it won't say the same thing. It's not going to read this way. It says that we should be slow to anger. The Greek word here is, if I'm pronouncing it right, orge, for the word for anger, and it means to have a violent passion or a deep-seated resentment or rejection for something. It doesn't mean anger in the sense of an outward, an outburst of anger. It means to resent something internally, to be like, um, to be rejectful towards something. All right. The word here doesn't actually mean to be angry. Be quick to listen to the word. Don't judge, but hear it out. Then be slow to speak. This is what James is saying. Be quick to listen to it. Receive it like the Bereans. Don't judge, but hear a matter out. Then be slow to speak, or don't be so quick to teach until you have the good grasp of the truth on it. That's the first two parts. And then it says, be slow to anger or don't reject it because this doesn't line up with some former thought that you have in your mind, some preconceived notion of what you think the Scripture says. Don't reject it because of that, and also don't reject it because of this, because it confronts your sin. Just because somebody brings something up that hits home with you or, or makes you feel bad, don't reject it because of that. I'm terrible about this. I've, I've got a... I've got, Yahweh's doctrine all laid out in my mind, and as soon as somebody says something that I've never heard before, I automatically throw a wall up. Get away from me. I don't want to hear it. That's the way I, that's the way I am. And uh, James says, don't do that. Don't do that. Receive it. Now, I'm not talking about crazy stuff. I may step on some toes right here. I'm not talking about conspiracy theories. I'm talking about the words of Yahweh spoken. When somebody teaches you the words of Yahweh, don't reject it. Okay, that's, that's what he's saying not to reject. Not, not silly stuff, but we're talking about the word of Yahweh. Receive it with eagerness. Examine it. And, and if it's so, let it be so. And if it, if it does step on your toes, if somebody's sin gets exposed right here, it needs to be exposed. You know? So often the source of our anger or the rejection of a truth is because it is such in your face. That's, that's what makes us mad. What does Psalms 19.7 say? The law of Yahweh is perfect in converting the soul. That's exactly what it's supposed to do. The word of Yahweh is supposed to convert your soul. It's supposed to, it's supposed to expose your sin so that you get your toes stepped on. St. Matthew said this one time, if you don't like your toes stepped on, keep them under the pews. Stay in church. huh? The law of Yahweh is perfect in converting the soul. That's what, that's what it's supposed to do. 
So don't be angry. Be glad to hear the word that converts your soul. Be slow to anger or reject it. Don't don't reject what you hear, and especially till you have a full understanding of it. As a side note, let me mention this. I'm not saying that there's ever a time that we don't reject things. There's some things that we do reject. So a teaching like the like there's no such thing as a virgin birth. That's something that you reject. Run from it. Hide from it. You know you don't you don't um, you don't you don't play with stuff like that. Sometimes we have to reject things, but only after after studying the matter out. You know, if it doesn't line up with Scripture. And there's also a righteous anger or a righteous wrath. There's nothing wrong with anger if it's if it's a righteous anger. David was righteously mad when he was mad at Goliath. He says, "Who defiles the army of the living Elohim?" That's righteousness. The Messiah was righteously mad when he run the money changers out of his father's house and he says you turn my father's house into a den of thieves he whooped them with a whip run them out with a whip that's righteous anger he didn't make a mistake fellas and if if he did it then we can do it these are examples of holy or righteous angers but again righteous anger is different it's different from building up animosity and anger about what your brother has to say about a scripture or about what sin is found by hearing of the word James, in context, here is speaking of the word of truth being taught and hostile attitudes is what he's talking about. And that's made evident in verse 20 because he says man's anger, that's what's produced right here, when you reject something, man's anger does not accomplish Yahweh's righteousness. What is righteousness? It's doing what's right. In the eyes of whom? Yahweh. Not in our eyes, but in the eyes of Yahweh. You can't produce righteousness with resentment or anger in your heart. Instead, righteousness is produced when you receive the truth without anger. Examine the truth and be slow to anger. That's subtest number three. How do you how do you receive it when somebody comes to you shares shares some message with you? How do you receive it? Are you re, are you resentful for, towards it? Do you reject it? Let's look at the last part of chapter 3. This is actually taking place, whoever James is writing this to, and we discovered that at the, at the first message I taught that he's writing it to the dispersion or the 12 tribes of Israel that has been scattered, you know, scattered abroad. But he's, he's probably undoubtedly dealing with a certain sect of people. But undoubtedly this is taking place. People are getting mad you know, with each other because of, because of anger rising up, people disagreeing about doctrine, something like that. But in the, at the end of... The end of chapter three. Let's just say. Let's just say in verse fourteen, starting verse fourteen, it says, "But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and lie in defiance of the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is first pure." in peace, love, and gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism and hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In in chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, What is the source of the wars and the fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. And I think that James is talking about the animosity that is built up between people warring against different doctrines in church, so to speak. Okay, I think that's what he's dealing with here. 
So to sum it up, the true believer will hear the word and will receive it with eagerness like the Bereans. The true believer will be slow to speak and only teach when they're ready and fully informed, and they'll do so accurately. And the true believer will be slow to anger and not harbor resentment or rejection in their heart with the, when the truth is presented to them. I think that's what Paul's intentions here are in verses 19 through 20. In verse 21, we'll move on and read verse 21. It says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil excess, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. The word therefore at the beginning of this verse directs us back to the verse before it. In other words, because the wrath of man will not produce righteousness, we must lay aside all filthiness and humble ourselves meekly to receive, receive the word. Therefore do this, for this reason do this. What reason? We do it to receive the implanted word which is able to save you. We have to put off all wickedness because in order to receive holiness, the old has to be has to be removed, just like um, just like in is it Jeremiah or Ezekiel. I'm, I'm probably quoting this, quoting this wrong, but he says he has to remove the stony heart. Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Okay, I'm sorry. I get them I get them confused for some reason. But anyway, he says he has to remove the he has to remove the stony heart in order to put a put a new heart in there. The heart has to be changed. Paul echoes this same thing to the church at Coloss. If I'm saying that right, let's look at uh, Colossians chapter three and verse eight. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 8, and we'll read through 10. Paul says this, But now you must also put away all the following anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his practices, and have put on the new man who is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of his creator. We have to get rid of the old to wear the new. See, James is saying the same thing. Put up all that stuff. Put all that stuff aside. Humble yourself and you'll receive the word that is so precious and able to save you. Once again, how does the word save you? We talked about this last week. The knowledge of the word mixed with a sovereign heart change, mixed with faith, mixed with the washing of water, mixed with repentance and obedience to the Torah. That's the recipe for salvation. All these things working together. It starts with the knowledge of the word of truth. James says, prepare yourself for this renewing and planting of the word in your heart by removing all the wickedness. Prepare yourself for, so that the word can be implanted in you and that you can grow. It's kind of like a garden. Seeds don't grow on unprepared soil. It needs to be cleaned and cultivated. Then the seed will take root with proper sunshine and proper water. All the elements that are required to grow, that's what we have to have, but we can't have stony ground to cast seeds on. We can't have filthy dirt to try to grow a garden on or filthy dirt. That doesn't make sense. But we can't have dirt that's not prepared. It needs to be clean and cultivated. Then the seeds will take root, you know. So let's prepare our minds and our hearts to hear what Yahweh's word has to say. Let's listen like Mary did at the feet of Yeshua. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 39, it says that she sat at his feet and heard his word. That's what Mary did. And let's not make the mistake that the crowds did when they stoned Stephen while he was trying to share the gospel with them in Acts chapter 7 and verse 57 and 58. It says they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears up and they stoned him. All he's trying to do is share the, share the truth with them. He's trying to tell them about his Messiah and they stoned him. They rejected it. They didn't receive it. Like James says, he says receive the word. Listen to it. Receive it. 
accept it and don't be mad. They did everything the opposite of it. They didn't receive it. They rejected it. They stopped their ears up and they still were mad. They stoned him over it. They killed one of the righteous brothers. In other words, remove this wickedness. Remove all filthiness in order to receive the word with humility, with meekness. Listen carefully. Talk only when you're studied and prepared and don't get angry. Now, we brought full circle back around to our test mentioned in the beginning, verse 22. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves or deceiving yourselves. We will go into this a little further next time. I'll talk about verse 22 the next time I teach and we'll really get into it. But I don't believe I can finish this without talking about verse 22, so here it goes. We must practice what we learn. That's what verse 22 is saying. Back to James real quick. James in chapter 1 and verse 22, it says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. We, we have to practice it. We must do all these things to prepare ourselves to hear the word and receive it. But once we've done that, once we've received the word, if we don't put it to practice, we're wasting it. We're deceived and we failed the test. Again, we'll get more into being a doer of the word next time, but I'll close with a reminder that true saving faith will be a doer of the word, not just to hear only. In closing, when the word is given to us, let's receive it quickly with eagerness and submission. Let's then be slow to speak. Be real slow to speak. Research a matter out. Make sure we know what what we're talking about before we talk. And let's not, not reject it or be angry that someone knew something we didn't know or that our sin is confronted. I'm guilty, 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 guilty of this right here. I'm terrible about it. I see people talking about stuff, and I don't even want to get involved in the conversation because I know that it will go against what I already believe. And I don't want to, I don't want to hear it, you know. So I'm guilty, and I, te- and I tell you that, just, just committing, committing my sin. It's wrong. It's wrong. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one in here that does that. So... Uh, so I just I don't want to get involved in it. And and a lot of times I don't want to get involved in it because I'm not educated on it. And I can't have the conversation. But if I would do what James says, I would stand there, I would keep my mouth shut, and I would listen, and I would receive it. And then I'd go home and study. And then the next time at Tabernacles, when somebody's talking about it, I'd be prepared to discuss it with somebody. And then I would have to listen when they corrected me that time, and I'd, I'd have to wait for another year. It would do us all good to listen. Listen intently. When somebody speaks, don't be thinking about what you're fixing to say to them. In your mind, don't be thinking, well, I'm, I'm hearing you, I'm hearing you, I'm hearing you, but what, you, didn't, you, know, you, didn't, you didn't think about this verse. Don't do that. When somebody speaks, listen to them. Hear what they've got to say. Process it. Even if you don't have anything to say back to them right then, that's okay. Process what they've got to say. Take it home, study it, and be a steward. Be a steward. That's what we have to do. Receive it with eagerness, just like the Brians did. And then... When we get ready to speak about it, make sure that you know what you're talking about when you talk about it so that you don't mislead some little one and you don't, uh, and you don't destroy Yahweh's word. You know, the Messiah says, I come not to fulfill the, fulfill the law. I mean, I come to fulfill it, not to destroy it. That's very possible exactly what he meant. He didn't come to misteach it. He didn't come to misteach it, but rather he come to teach it correctly. We shouldn't. We shouldn't teach it that way. You should be. You should be very careful before you t- talk to anybody, especially in a pastoral position or a teaching position. You know, a lot of people would ask you, anybody that teaches, are you nervous? 
People ask me that. Danny asked me that before. You said, aren't you nervous when you get there? I'm just terrified. I'm terrified, one, because all y'all are looking at me. I'm worse terrified because I'm telling you something that Yahweh's told everybody. If I misrepresent his word, then it's, uh, it's, it's bad news. I, I shouldn't do that. You, you don't play games with Yahweh's word. Make sure you know what you're talking about. And there are many that don't do that today, guys. There are many that don't do that. And then the other thing is make sure that when we learn something or, or that we don't, we don't get mad if somebody says something that we, uh, that we don't agree with. And when we do learn something, put it to practice. This happens with anything. If you learn about the tassels, Brother Leon learned about the tassels, and he fought it for a little while, I remember. But, but about, a, about a two months later, he's got tassels on. Apply it. Yahweh says he's, I mean, David says he's quick to put his commandments to practice. I hurry to keep your commandments. When you learn something, whether it be a physical commandment that you keep or, or some kind of pruning to your heart that you need to do, and um, in the way you speak or something like that. It doesn't matter. They're all commandments. We're, all, we're supposed to be gentle and humble in spirit. We're supposed to keep the commandments and wearing the tassels and not eating things that we shouldn't eat and helping our neighbor's ox out of the ditch, things like that. When you learn something like this, put it to practice. Make sure that you put it to practice. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. What good does it do for a man to look, his, look in the mirror and walk away unchanged? I did that right before I left. I knew I needed to shave, but I didn't do it. I needed to clean up a little bit, but I didn't do it. So I'm preaching to the choir right here. But uh, anyway, I'll close. Uh, I'll close with that. Let's let's be doers of the word, and let's let's be um, patient with people and humble, and receive it receive it with eagerness. I love you guys, and I'll I'll close with that. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for this. Uh, this message. Thank you for the word that you give us through our elder brother James and Yahweh. The, the people seem so smart, so simple. If we would just listen to what they have to say, if we would read our scriptures and we would we would accept it, we ask for the truth and we ask for wisdom, and yet we don't even consult the thing that gives it. Father, please help us. Help us to be uh, to be meek and humble, and, and I'm always ready to give a defense for you. And in order to give a defense for you, we have to be knowledgeable. So let it be the desire of our hearts to study your word daily, to be Bereans, to learn what you'd have us to learn, and to make good of it, to make use of it, be doers of it. So, Father, at the end of the age that we're, that we're counted as righteous before you uncovered in the blood of your only begotten Son, Father, we know that all the good works that we do, they're still filthy rags. We understand that, Father. We know that there is no salvation because of because of works we do. But, Father, we also know we're saved and we've been born again to produce good works. And so help us do this. Help us to be knowledgeable in that, in that area in our life and help us to be what you'd have us to be. We love you so very much. We're so thankful for you, Father. And we're, we're um, thankful for your only begotten Son and the price that was paid for, for our wretchedness. We love you so much. I ask all these things in his name. Amen.